Welcome to Exaltation. This is Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true. Our scripture reading today is St. John chapter 10, verse 11 through 16. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep and am known by them. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Other sheep I have also which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd." We are living in increasingly difficult times. All around the world, people are struggling with the coronavirus. Fear and anxiety fill the air. But beloved ones, fear is not a Christian habit of mind. I want to turn our attention today to some of the most comforting words our Lord Jesus Christ ever spoke. He said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. First, let's look at the general meaning of the metaphor of the shepherd and sheep. Then let's apply that metaphor to our Christian experience. Christ says, not I am a shepherd, but I am the good shepherd. Our Lord Jesus uses the adjective good for a purpose. Jesus is not simply good in the general sense of the word as a good meal or a good swim. The word used in the original language means the highest form of goodness and beauty known to the Greeks. And so here we have the thought that the shepherd stands before us as the realization of all which means lovely, fair, and good, designed to draw our admiration and appreciation. What Jesus is saying to us is that he is the reality of which earthly shepherds are only the dim and distant shadow. For example, Jesus stands in contrast to the shepherd gods of Hellenism. There was a god named Pan, the son of Hermes, who was the god of shepherds and flocks. 
He was worshipped to provide protection to sheep and cattle. Jesus is not a false make-believe God like Pan. He is the true, good, divine shepherd of all who put their faith and trust in him. Our Lord Jesus also fulfills all the shepherd imagery of the Old Testament. In Ezekiel chapter 34, we read, For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd cares for his herd in the day when he is among his scattered sheep, so I will care for my sheep and will deliver them from all the places to which they were scattered on a gloomy day. I will feed them in a good pasture and lead them to rest. I will seek the lost and bring back the scattered. In Isaiah chapter 40, this monumental chapter, we read, Like a shepherd, he will tend his flock in his arm. He will gather the lambs and carry them in his bosom. He will gently lead the nursing ewes. And the prophet Jeremiah cries out, He who scattered Israel will gather him and keep him as a shepherd keeps his flock. Jeremiah 31.10 With very few exceptions, all the shepherds in the Old Testament were evil rulers. The evil rulers Ezekiel is referring to were the kings Jehoahaz, Jehoiakim, Jehoiachin, and Zedekiah. These shepherd kings were selfish. They were ruled by their own self-interests and disordered passions. Ezekiel describes their selfishness at great length in chapter 34 of his book. Now, there were two streams of prophecies operating in the Old Testament. One depicted God himself as the shepherd of his people, The other spoke of the Messiah as the true shepherd who will lay down his life for the people. We have to see how incredible it is that Jesus Christ would lay hold upon both these streams of prophecies and say that they all point to him. Every one of these ancient prophecies are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. All the authority and the care and the provision of a perfect shepherd are found in the Lord Jesus Christ. The hymn writer says, The Lamb of God our shepherd is, and he who doth us feed. While he is ours and we are his, what can we want or need? He leads us to the tender grass, and there we feed and rest. Then to the streams that gently pass, in both we have the best. Another hymn goes like this. Savior, like a shepherd lead us, much we need thy tender care. In thy pleasant pastures feed us, for our use thy folds prepare. Now, in our text, John chapter 10, Jesus makes two important statements about his role as a shepherd. He says first in verse 14, I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. It's important to understand that the word know, as Jesus uses it, refers not to knowledge of a thing, but to intimate knowledge of a person. It means deep fellowship, union, communion with another, a relational kind of knowing. Jesus is saying, as the Father knows me and I know the Father, so I belong to my sheep and they will be joined to me. 
in the same way that the father knows his only begotten son and the son knows his own father, drawing his own being from him, in the same way believers belong to Jesus as part of his family called his children. We bear the name of God and partake of his divine nature. As Jesus belongs to the Father and the Father belongs to him, so we belong to Jesus and he belongs to us. This is truly an amazing thought, beloved. What Jesus is saying is that in the same way that I deeply know my Father in loving union and communion, so I know my sheep. As I belong to my Father as his Son, so my sheep belong to me. Listening friend, think about this. Jesus knows you because he loves you. He knows you because he cares deeply for you and seeks after you to find you and embrace you with his love. Therefore, to know Jesus is to love him. I respond to the love of my shepherd for me. 1 John chapter 4 says, We love him because he first loved us. This is the message of the gospel. Not that we loved and sought after God first, but that God first loved and sought after us. We did not know and love him first. He first knew us and loved us, and we respond to the love of our shepherd with a returning love back to him. Perhaps you are listening to this message and hearing the gospel for the very first time. Do you realize that Jesus Christ loves you as a good shepherd loves his sheep? Unless the shepherd's heart is full of love for you, he would not know you as one of his sheep. We must underline this truth, beloved. We don't know the good shepherd because of being intellectually convinced about him. We don't know him because we understand certain doctrinal truths about him. We know the good shepherd because our hearts beat at one with his heart and our spirits and souls are in communion and union with him. We know Jesus Christ because we have responded to his love for us, and that knowledge brings great stability against all doubt and fear. There may be dangerous circumstances outside the sheepfold. There may be pandemics and dangerous viruses we can't control. But our good shepherd leads us into his fold every night to rest quietly until morning. As we lay down within and go to sleep, we know that he is watching at the door, protecting us from all dangers and fears. The second wonderful statement Jesus makes in this passage is that as the good shepherd, he lays down his life for the sheep. Now, on a purely human level, the death of Christ was a great failure. His death meant the eclipse of light the extinction of perfect love, and the ending of the highest pattern of ideal human life the world has ever seen. Over and over again in the Gospels, we read, Never a man spoke like this man spoke. That's because the teaching of Jesus was light from eternity, 
His words were clear, authoritative, and pure. He astounded people wherever he went. He made audacious statements like, I always do the things that are pleasing to God. Can any other religious teacher dare to say such a thing? If I stood before you and said, I always please God, first, I would be afraid of being struck by lightning, and second, from that very moment, you would cease to believe in me. I would lose all credibility. But this is the stupendous mystery of the Lord Jesus Christ. He taught us many things concerning God, the soul, and eternity that no man has ever said or thought before, but which the human conscience immediately knows to be true. Yet this perfect man was arrested, condemned in a mock trial, and crucified. With the death of Jesus on a human level, we see the extinction of love. The love of Jesus for us was complete and utterly self-forgetful. His was a pure and perfect love, stronger than death itself. Never were more glorious words spoken than his words from the cross. Listen. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. How is such a statement even possible from a man suffering a horrible, tortuous death? Yet this was the power and beauty and love of Jesus for lost sinners. Jesus' death was also the ending of the perfect pattern and ideal of human life. The life of Jesus was the one life that revealed the meaning of an eternal kind of life that God has provided for man. One commentator says his life was an example of the intellect illumined by the spiritual, the emotion impulsed by the eternal, and the will dominated by deity. And yet this ideal pattern of a fully perfect human being was allowed by God to be arrested, beaten, and crucified for your sins and mine. listening to Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true, heralding the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ so that we may experience life in Him. Continue our lesson. 
Then see what Jesus, the good shepherd, said about his mission. He said in verse 15, I lay down my life for the sheep. This was an accurate statement about shepherds in the first century Palestine. There were times when a great mountain lion or bear attacked the sheep and the shepherd was killed trying to rescue them. For Jesus, the laying down of his life was intentional. It was planned. The good shepherd willingly entered into conflict with the enemy of the sheep when he took hold of sin and died to destroy death. Let's illustrate this together. Here is an eastern shepherd in conflict with a great wolf attacking the sheep. The shepherd dies in the conflict and the sheep are saved. But instead of staying dead, the shepherd takes hold of his own life again and brings himself back to the sheep to make them strong enough to overcome the enemy. This is what the dying and rising of Jesus means for the believer. He died to destroy the destroyer, but rose again to give his resurrected life to us who believe upon him. Therefore, listen carefully. Therefore, today, when I believe upon Jesus Christ the Lord, I receive his very life within me, so that I, who could never have victory over the wolf of sin and the devil in my own strength, receive from Jesus Christ his very own strength to triumph over the wolf. This is why you, listening friend, can overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil, because it is not you who is doing the overcoming, but Christ within you. Remember that after the resurrection, Jesus doesn't appear to his disciples without his wounds. It was the five wounds of Jesus that enabled doubting Thomas to profess his faith in five words, my Lord and my God. The wounds of Christ are the revelation of the way, truth, and life of his love. This is expressed in the exaltation of the Lamb of God in Revelation 5.6. St. John says, I saw a lamb with the marks of slaughter yet standing. What a powerful truth. The life and death of Jesus is a perpetual state of self-sacrificing love a total and continual giving of himself to the Father and to us as his spiritual children. The wounds of Jesus keep reminding us of the death that opens the door to his eternal kind of life for us. This is why we celebrate Holy Communion each week as we worship, because we are commanded to remember Jesus to remember that his wounds on our behalf are the doorway to new life starting today, starting this very moment as I believe upon him. This is the stupendous truth of Galatians 2.20. I now live in Christ and through his strength alone. Christ is my life and the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So, Jesus, the good shepherd, lays down his life for the sheep. Sin and the devil are overthrown. Death is defeated once and for all. 
a new eternal kind of life is now available to all who will put their trust in Jesus and depend upon his death for them. This is why the death and resurrection of Jesus are two sides of the same coin. On the death side, there is the putting away of sins and the defeat of death and the devil. On the life side, there is the opportunity for all men to go and sin no more, to be set free to live in the life of Christ. Now, look at verse 16. Jesus says, But I have other sheep that are not of this fold. They also I must bring, that they may hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. One of the hardest things to unlearn is exclusiveness. If some people think they are a privileged group, it's hard to get them to see that what they've been given is really for everyone. This is what happened with the Old Testament Jewish nation. Some Jews believed that they were God's chosen people and God had no use for any other nation. Even when the first Gentiles believed upon Christ and followed Jesus, some Jews still thought that these new believers had to be made part of the Jewish Christian community and submit to circumcision and obey the Jewish law. But Jesus is teaching in this verse that a day is coming when all who believe and follow Christ will be part of one universal flock of God. This is what is meant by the phrase one holy Catholic and apostolic church. The church universal, the one true flock of God. When the Indians living in Canada were evangelized in the 19th century, an account was written of an encounter between a missionary and an Indian chief. When the missionary told the chief of the gospel, the chief responded, When you spoke about the Great Spirit, did I hear you say, Our Father? Yes, responded the missionary. That is very new and sweet to me, said the chief. We never thought of the Great Spirit as Father. We heard him in the thunder and saw him in the lightning, storms, and blizzards, and we were afraid. But when you tell us that the Great Spirit is our Father, that is comforting and beautiful to us. Then the old chief paused, reflected for a moment, and suddenly cried out, Missionary, did you say that the Great Spirit is your father? Yes, said the missionary. And did you say that he is the Indian's father? I did, said the missionary. Then, said the old chief, with tears of joy running down his face, you and I are brothers. This is the wonderful truth about being a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a principle of unity and commonality that unites people from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. Rochelle and I have traveled to Japan to preach the gospel. When we were there, we met the most loving, beautiful Christian people. We couldn't speak their language because there was a communication barrier, but the love of Christ bound us together. We came to the breakfast table in the morning and couldn't communicate with them. But we both had our Bibles, so we read the scriptures using the English Bible, and they read the scriptures using the Japanese Bible, and it brought tears to our eyes. We hugged one another and sang a hymn together. 
Galatians 3.28 says, For there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. In Christ, there are no class distinctions. There is not an upper-class Christian and a lower-class Christian, not a free Christian and a slave Christian. We are all one body of Christ, members together because the cross of Jesus has wiped out all the barriers and distinctions. As someone said, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Christian unity is not based on institutional or geographical unity, but on loyalty and devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. As we close, there is a very practical application of this passage to the church. In the parable of the shepherd and the flock, we see the double danger that always faces the church. The church is constantly liable to attack from outside in the form of falsehood, wolves, the devil, and his demons. The church is always liable to attack from inside, from false shepherds. False shepherds are those who see their calling as a job, as a career move, as a way to earn money. The true shepherd sees the church as a way to serve the master and love his sheep. The second danger is greater than the first danger because if a shepherd is faithful to preach the word of God, there will be a strong defense against outside attack. But if the shepherd himself is a faithless hireling, the enemies from without can easily penetrate into and destroy the flock. Oh, friends, let us be comforted and encouraged today that our Lord Jesus Christ is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. And why does he lay down his life? He lays down his life that he may take it up again and give his life to you, to live within you. Will you trust the Good Shepherd with your life today? Will you allow him to live through you for the good and blessing of others? For of him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory both now and forevermore. Amen. been listening to the program Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson with Godet Ministries. You may reach us on the web at godetministries.org. That's G-A-U-D-E-T-E ministries.org. This gospel outreach is entirely listener supported. Please help us proclaim the gospel on the radio to a needy world. You may donate online at our website. Your gift, large or small, is gratefully appreciated. Until next time, may God richly bless you with this word of encouragement from the prophet Isaiah. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. 
Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not faint.